Good afternoon. My name is Brandon, uh, one of the pastors here, and welcome to our Christmas Eve gathering. As he said, we've been in a uh, series in uh, the Gospel of Luke. The, the Bible is divided into a couple of categories. There's the Old Testament, which is uh, the Bible leading up to Jesus. There are the Gospels, these four letters that were written to explore the life and the ministry of Jesus. And then the, the New Testament epistles that came after uh, the Gospels. Luke is one of those four that really just explores the birth, life, ministry of Jesus. And it was written to a man, to a man named Theophilus. Theophilus was a Roman citizen, likely a government official. And so in my, uh, in my 10, 12 minutes uh, with us together today, Here's what I want us to do. I want us to try to enter into a conversation, a conversation between Theophilus and Luke. The conversation where Luke, or someone like Luke, might have shared this Christmas story with Theophilus for the first time. Why? Why enter into that conversation? Here's why I'd like us to do that. Uh, Because I'm assuming that no matter your background showing up, whether you... um, would identify as a Christian, whether you would say, I'm not, or I'm not sure, or somewhere in the middle, I'm assuming that you've heard this story. But what I want us to do, as best we're able, is to try to hear it the way Luke intended for it to be heard, which was the way that Theophilus would have heard it. Because we can put ourselves in his shoes, in Theophilus's shoes, and if we can hear with the ears that he heard, Um, we might get a more full and more rich and more robust picture of who this baby in a manger is. And so I want to ask three questions, questions that I believe Theophilus would have asked in that initial conversation. Who is he? Why did he come? Who did he come for? Who is he? Why did he come? Who did he come for? Because we're going to see in these questions how they would have challenged, collided with his ancient Roman vision for how the world was meant to work. But not just his vision for how the world was meant to work. I think it will challenge ours as well. So let's go. Question one, who is he? Uh, Luke answers this question in verse 11. Verse 11, he says this, of the baby in a manger, that he is Christ the Lord. Now these are two titles, Christ the Lord, given to Jesus. Christ meaning um, Messiah, deliverer, and Lord, someone in a position of authority. But Luke does something here. In the way that he writes it, Luke does something that is really unique, that would have been a bit provocative to Theophilus even, um, and it's something no other uh, New Testament author does. And the way that he brings these titles together, he brings them together in a way that you will not find it anywhere else. Here's uh, one commentator said so this, this exact combination of the two titles without a conjunction is unusual. Now that, that's not unusual in the Bible, that's unusual for common literature of the day. You just didn't find it. But it appears nowhere else in the New Testament. So it's highly unusual for um, ancient literature and it appears nowhere else in the New Testament. Why? Why does Luke do this? Why would Luke being economical with his words, why would he um, bring these two together in a way that no one else does? What is he saying about this baby in doing this? Here's what he's saying. He's saying this baby is the king above all kings. He is here to be the king, the lord of lords, a king to kings. Now, how would Theophilus have heard this? 
put ourselves in his ancient Roman shoes, how would he have heard this? Here's how I think Theophilus would have heard it. I think where he'd have been uh, at the beginning of this conversation is I think he'd have said, hey, listen, that's, that's great, but that baby is your king. He's your king. He is the one who will deliver you, but I'm not sure that I need it. I am a Roman citizen. I'm a Roman citizen. Do you think I need a baby to be my deliverer? I have Caesar on my side. I am a Roman citizen, a citizen of the strongest country on the face of the earth. I don't need a baby in a manger. I have Caesar. This is where he would have begun the conversation. I'm just not sure I need this, which is exactly where we usually begin the conversation ourselves. I'm just not sure I need this. This Christmas story, it's cute. I enjoy getting together with family around it, but I'm not sure that I need it. I might find it interesting, but I'm not so sure it's something that I, the depth of my core, really need. Right? For him, it was, I have Rome. For us, it's, I have my job, I have my family, I have the school that I went to, I have my education, I have my you fill in the blank. I'm just not sure that I need it. So question one, who is he? Christ Lord. Christ Lord. But Theophilus would have begun, I'm just not sure that I need this. But he would have moved on to question two. The next question, why did he come? Now, before we get into that, listen to me. This question, why did he come? This was not a cheesy preacher needs an outline kind of question for Theophilus. It's not what this was. For Theophilus, this was a weighty and serious question because lords did not come near the people. Lords didn't come near the people. Kings did not come near the common people. They stayed in their palaces. And you're showing up telling me that there's a king above my king who's going to be different? Why? Here's the answer. Verse 10. 10 through 11. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news and great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Theophilus, he came near to be your Savior. He came near to be your Savior, Theophilus. Not, not any Savior, your Savior. And I, I know, listen, Theophilus, I know you are a Roman citizen. Salvation is not something that you think you're in need of. I get it. But he came to be your Savior. He came near Theophilus out of love for you to be your Savior. That's why he came. But I also know, Theophilus, that the, that the word Savior is not the one that would have pinged you. But I know there's another word in here that would have pinged you in the middle of it. There's a word that he used that would have caught Theophilus's eye. And it's this word that gets translated Good news. Why? Because that, that word, good news, which is the verbal form of gospel, first time it's used, didn't come out of nowhere. It did not come out of nowhere. Listen to J.B. Green, um, commentator. Luke's notion of good news borrows from Isaiah 40 through 66. Isaiah is part of the Old Testament, the Bible that um, precedes it, Jesus talking about the Messiah, Savior to come. There, the herald defines the good news as the coming of God 
the salvific, the saving reign of God in peace and justice, listen to this, on behalf of the outcast. Luke then exploits the socio-politico-religious depth of that language and applies it to a newborn baby in a manger spoken of peasant shepherds. So here's the point Luke is making and the word that he uses and how he uses it. That this baby in a manger, this king to come, he came to bring peace and justice for the outcast, for the marginalized, for those pushed to the edges of society. And this is where Theophilus would have begun to think, okay, hold on, Caesar doesn't do this. Caesar does not do this. Justice for all? No. No, I, I, if I'm going to live with some intellectual integrity, I have to acknowledge that Caesar is out for power for himself, not for caring for the outcast. I know that. The outcast, the marginalized, they are a problem for Caesar, but the purpose for Jesus. That's why he came. And this is where I can hear Theophilus in this conversation beginning to say, okay, this is different. This is different. This is a king who cares about the poor. This is different. So here's my next question. Who did he come for? Who did he come for? Because embedded in that question is this, did he come for people like me? I'm a Roman citizen. I, I, I'm a part of this government. Did he come for people like me? And Luke answers it like this. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. There are no accidental words in the Bible. There's not a single word in the Bible that is an accident. There are no unintentional words. There are no unintentional articles in the Bible. There are no unintentional these. Did it say that he came for all people? It's a true statement. It's not what Luke says here. I came for all the people. What's the point? Why, why is he saying that? Because it's not just all people generically. Luke is making a point that he came for all the people, the specific groups and different kinds of people, Jew, Gentile. But in this text, in the text where he is articulating who this baby in a manger came for, it includes multiple groups of people. It includes Caesar. It includes Caesar. It would have included kings, those at the top of society, that he came to be a king for kings, which humbles them, which brings those at the top down, but would have also included shepherds, the poor, peasant, marginalized shepherds. It would have included those at the bottom of society. He came born in a manger. He's a king who identifies with the poor, which gives them dignity and lifts them up. Kings, shepherds. And this is where Theophilus would have had his, this is how the world is supposed to work, challenged. Challenged. A king who brings down those at the top and a king who brings up those at the bottom. A king who values all equally, no matter your place in society. This is a king I have never heard of, and he would have had to acknowledge there's not a single nation on the face of the earth that is a king like this one. Not one. Not one king on the face of the earth who wants to bring up those at the bottom. And as the Gospel of Luke unfolds, we see this baby growing up to be a king who would go to a cross and die for you and for me, and this would have completely inverted his view of the Roman world, because listen to me, the Roman world lords 
never died for peasants. Never. Peasants died for lords. Peasants died for lords. But Jesus shows up and says, I'm a king who is willing to come down to get off my throne, to come down from the top to give my life for those at the bottom. That's who this baby in a manger would grow up to be. Who would come down and invert the way the world is meant to work. Who would come from the top to the bottom to die for you and for me, whether we know we need it or not. And listen, spiritually speaking, we are the poor and the marginalized. We are the ones on the fringes of society who can't do it for ourselves. We need God to come and do it for us. It's who we are. But here's the thing. Theophilus had a choice. He would have had a choice to give his allegiance, his heart's affection to a king who looked like a king, who could provide all the security he ever wanted, Caesar, or a king who was a baby in a manger, a king who would oppress the marginalized, or a king who on the cross would be marginalized, a king who would push others down to lift himself up, or a king who would go down to raise others up. He would have had a choice. Theophilus had a choice, and so do you. So do you. Something will rule in your heart. It won't be Caesar. He's long gone. But it'll be something. There will be something reigning in you, your job, your family, your education, your retirement, your you fill in the blank. Something will give you the hope and security and confidence that a Roman citizen would have had because of Caesar. And you get the choice. Will that be, will that be, will that be where I give my heart's affection? Or will it be the king who came as an unassuming baby who would grow up to give his life for you? What will it be? What will it be? Is this the one? Is he the one who we're going to give our heart's affection to? Is he? Is this Christmas story a cute little Christmas story that we revolve our calendars around, or is it about the king who came to rule and reign in your heart? The baby who came to be a king to kings, a baby whose kingdom would, would include the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized. The baby who'd be a king, who would grow up and die for you and for me. That's who this baby in a manger is. Let's pray. Father, I, I, I know that we had limited time today, and I just, I just pray we'd get a glimpse of who, who your son is through the, through the eyes and through the ears of Theophilus, and maybe it might just expand our view of how he came to come and invert the world as we know it, to make all the things that are wrong in this world right. How he came to, to, to not just use the oppressed, to be oppressed, to raise up the oppressed, to, to bring down those at the top, to humble them, not because he's opposed to them, but because he loves them and knows it's best for them. And so I, I do ask, I do ask that this story would meet us where we are, and that we would see ourselves as the one in need. And that whether we, have, uh, whether we are exploring Christianity or we have been a Christian for 45 years, we would never not see ourselves as the one in need of that baby in a manger. And that we would continue 
that we would continue to plead, come and rule in my heart. Come, King Jesus, rule and reign in my heart. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.